0: network election season and the lies are flying he's going to suspend election he's going to put people in gas chambers he's going to turn off the internet he's going to lock up his political opponents meanwhile he is facing a possibility of spending the rest of his life in prison for things we've seen video evidence proving that fbi agents were the instigators of for political gain and the press, give me a break. So, where do you turn to get the real story? You turn to
1: TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Let's just put that segment that Pete Moss mentioned, let's put it in perspective. Right now, today, Thursday morning, two different geographical locations in the United States, at the same time, trials are being held. Right now, court hearings are ongoing today against Donald Trump. And we learned just minutes ago, a trial date was set for the New York criminal case. It'll come up for trying in March. This will be the first former president in U.S. history that will be tried for a criminal act. Just think about that. Of course, down in Atlanta, Georgia, the DA, is facing a judge right now to determine if her actions with her employee regarding stuff that had nothing to do with Donald Trump and what he is being tried down there for, if it messed up the whole prosecution and whether Fannie Willis is going to be able to continue prosecuting Donald Trump down there. Can you believe all of this is happening at the same time? And it's just months before a presidential election? Nobody can credibly say that this is not every bit about get Trump. Keep him from being on the ballot. Put him in jail. Don't let the American people, the probably 70 million plus Americans that if given the chance will vote for Donald Trump, don't give them the chance to vote for who they want or don't give them the chance to vote against Donald Trump. If they don't want Donald Trump, this will be, if this all stands, the first time in U.S. history where bureaucrats in the Department of Justice and Justice Department state by state will actually determine the outcome of a U.S. presidential race and election. Think about that. Wow. It feels like Friday to me. What about you? I don't know why. I can't even come up with a reason. Yesterday, Valentine's Day, let me just tell you, Marianne and I celebrated our 49th wedding anniversary. We went to one of our favorite restaurants, and we sat there. We laughed. We saw friends that we hadn't seen in a long time. And the place was packed and it was a joyous time. And we celebrated. There aren't a whole lot of relationships, marriage relationships, that last 49 years. I consider myself to be a blessed man. God bless me with the woman that has put up with my stuff for 49 years. God bless her today, Marianne. I love you dearly. Let's get cranking. And let's pick up the pace just a little bit, huh? With Christina Aguilera. got a set of pipes. I mean, she can really sing. It's hard to believe. She's real tiny. Christine Aguilera, really, really small. But man, she belts it out like she is someone like uh, some of the big time singers, African-American big singers in the past during the rock and roll era in the 60s and 70s. Anyway, we got started talking about Valentine's Day yesterday. I hope you and your loved one had a great time together. Valentine's Day is special enough, but being our 49th anniversary just made it even more special, me and Mary Ann. I'm a blessed man. I keep saying that over and over again, and it's not because I'm going to forget it because there's no way I'm going to forget it, but because it is so rich and so deep and so amazing I just feel like I'm a blessed guy. And I want to tell everybody about it. Well, let's get on to politics. How about that? There's a lot of that going around. (laughs) It seems like every day we're devoured by more and more and more bad news coming out from Washington, D.C. and the mainstream media from around the world. They all seem to be marching, all of the leftist media, they seem to be marching to the same drumbeat. You know what I mean? I mean, it comes out. There's stories that leak first thing this morning, and an hour later, the same story shows up on another left, leftist media outlet, and so on throughout the day. It's as if they're coordinated. That couldn't be really happening, could it? <laughs> I think we we all know better than that. It is happening. And so, what do they come up with this morning? On Wednesday's broadcast yesterday of CNN News Central, Representative Mike Quigley, who's a Democrat from Illinois, he stated that, and I'm going to quote him, the fact that this is an extraordinarily strong economy is one key factor in recent wins by Democrat candidates in recent special elections in Ohio, Wisconsin, and New York. Quigley said, Quote, I think you have to look beyond just that special election in New York to the recent elections in Ohio and Wisconsin. I think the fact that the economy is very strong and the fact that when choice is on the ballot, Democrats win. All add to this. And I do think, he said, the fact that Speaker Johnson shot down the opportunities to address the issue, he said, was so important. We had opportunities. The Secretary and the President have asked for thousands of more border guards and changes in asylum policy, only, I think, under orders from Canada, Trump that Speaker Johnson shot down. And he wasn't through yet. Quigley added this. As we remember, it's the economy, stupid. That was the line we always learn from. I think the fact that this is an extraordinarily strong economy, and again, the issue of choice is out there. I think those are all factors in the American people leaning Democratic. So, do you really agree with Congressman Mike Quigley? Or do you like me when I heard what he said? And really, I believe he believes what he said is true. But you know what? Here's a guy that makes a minimum of $175,000 a year That's what he gets paid as a congressman. That's his base pay. He's got a massive spending account and also a bunch of campaign dollars, and somehow they always seem to slip a little spending for things other than campaign. They tap that campaign fund for themselves. So let's just say he's struggling to get by on two and a quarter, $225,000 a year. Now, that's beside the fact that he probably had something that was pretty good in the way of work before he became a congressman. So there's no telling how much he's got in his back pocket and in his bank account. Oh, and it doesn't even consider what most congressmen and congresswomen end up getting after they're elected by milking the system. Things like insider trading, information on stocks, big good information on stocks, usually at least a couple of days before the big news comes out to the general public. So, Mr. Quigley wants you and I to believe that he is objective. Oh, man, I'm up here and I'm watching these elections and, man, the Democrats are giving the American people what they want. The economy is so good. People are running to the polls to vote for Democrats because they want more of this. I don't... No, one single person other than those that are filthy rich that would agree with Mr. Quigley saying this is an extraordinarily strong economy and that's one factor why Democrat candidates are winning all these special elections. Just because you think something's right, sir, doesn't make it right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't make it wrong. It is what it is. Facts matter. And this is not a great economy. It's not. All the new jobs that have been created by Joe Biden, the majority of the real jobs in that number come from people going back to work after his COVID pandemic lockdown. That's one part. The other part is, and we covered this story yesterday with actual facts and numbers the large majority of the new people in the workplace are low-paid, illegal immigrants that have milked the system when they came across here illegally. And Joe Biden has slipped the opportunity for many thousands, tens and thousands of those illegals to get jobs that were formerly held by either immigrants that are here legally or people that are here illegally, but they come every year during harvest time. Harvest time out in Southwest California, part of Arizona. Big industry is pushing this because they can work, get people that will work for less, and they, in many cases, don't have to enter them into the system so these people don't have Withholding, taking out of the pay that they're getting for doing these jobs. When in doubt, whenever you try to figure something out, follow the money. You'll get your answers every time. I promise you. Well, guess who's stepped up to the plate and has knocked the ball out of the park on the behalf of this president? Mexico. Mexico. Now, listen to this. Biden's inflow of illegals fell sharply last month. Why? Mexico's government executed a December deal that blocks access to the U.S. border. They could have been doing it all along, but that's not what Joe Biden wanted. He wanted to fill the nation with illegals so that they could get a bunch more illegals in the fields picking uh, whatever they're picking out there at the time in California. Mexico's President Andres Manuel López Obrador has a price for guarding this border for Joe Biden, and it's an election year, so everything costs. So Biden's border officials allowed up to 61,000 Mexicans to move into American society during January. Mexico's Latino cops also helped the mayors of Democrat-run cities by blocking the migration of many Latino women and children. Those family migrants are hoping to join their illegal migrant fathers who are now working in the U.S., but they're being pushed and pulled off Mexico's roads and railroads by overdoers' cops. Nobody's reporting this, but it's factual. We have video that shows it happening. Mexico's central government has mounted one of the most epic domestic anti-illegal immigration operations in recent memory. At Biden's apparent urging, the Mexican Army, National Guard, Mexican immigration officers rushed into the northern borderlands just after Christmas. And with Mexico State Police, they began rounding up tens of thousands of migrants in Piedras Negras and many other cities. They force-fed these thousands into something like a conveyor belt of government buses and planes delivering them to Mexico's farthest southern states along the border with Guatemala, especially to the cities of Villa Hermosa and Tapachula, and block them. They block them there with bureaucracy and new road checkpoints that filter for migrant riders. This is all payback from Obrador to Joe Biden for whatever Joe gave Mexico, to just help him out in this election year. In emblematic Piedras Negras, known to the Mexican troops as Zone 47, soldiers early last month were filling 10 buses a day, up to 30 passenger jets, with rounded-up migrants. The hardest thing to find in Piedras Negras right now, observed a local journalist, is a migrant so the results of this mexican crackdown or by data from the department of homeland security which released the inflow numbers for january 2 days ago the total inflow into the us fell 26% from 371,000 in december down to 273,000 last month january and that's despite Biden's insistence that he cannot curb the inflow without legal changes by Congress and more money, 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 money. There was minimal change in the inflow allowed through the official gates, which are run by DHS's Office of Field Operations. The organized OFO inflow has remained steady at about 120,000 migrants a month since last August. The Mexican decline was seen in the number of migrants who just walked across the border to be picked up by the Border Patrol. That part of this illegal inflow fell by 50%, from 251,000 in December to just half that, 125,000 in January. Still, The inflow of Mexicans fell modestly from 57,000 in December to 47,000 in January. So let's just roll all this in together. What's it mean? Since October 2023, 204,000 Mexican migrants have been welcomed by Alejandro Mayorkas, Biden's pro-migration border chief. He helped negotiate the border deal in a January visit to Mexico. Now, what did Alejandro take down there with them to place in front of Mexican President Obrador? Money, money, money. Since 2021, 2.1 million Mexicans have crossed our border, but nearly all were sent quickly home before April of 2023. After that date, Mayorkas allowed roughly 40,000 a month into the U.S., and that number jumped to 57,000 in December before it dropped modestly to 47,000 in January. Some are being deported, but not the roughly 15,000 Mexicans per month who are being allowed entry through the OFO border offices. Many of these migrants are being allowed entry under a quasi-legal parole program, It was created by Mayorkas. Mayorkas has never been elected to office, especially not Congress. Only Congress has the authority to change immigration law and policies. But following the rule of law, that means nothing to Joe Biden. Gosh, I bet you even if he was doing it, he wouldn't remember what he did two weeks ago for more than two years. Obrador has been demanding that more Mexicans and even other Latinos be allowed to migrate into our country. The January data provided more evidence that he has won some of his goals in exchange for helping suppress migration during Biden's 2024 re-election campaign. Right now, listen to this. More and more evidence for the border deal can be found in a complex document released on January 5th by Mayorkas. The document details how the administration released more than 2.3 million migrants into the U.S. in 2021, 2022, and 2023. That doesn't count migrants released by Mayorkas's ICE agency. In that document, under a tab that's titled SSWB bookouts by city. DHS reported that OFO's parole numbers to Mexicans averaged 14,009 per year from 2014 to 2019. But under Mayorkas, the number of paroled Mexicans spiked to 21,000 in 2022, then exploded to 93,000 in 2023. Under this deal with Biden, Mexican government officials are also blocking wives and children of many illegal migrants who are already working in the U.S. For example, the U.S. inflow of quote-unquote family units, it crashed. It went from 142,000 in December to just 77,000 in January. The drop-off was especially severe for the small country south of Mexico. Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala when the inflow of wives and kids dropped from 56,000 in August to just 10,700 in January. None of this, none of this we're finding out after the fact. None of it just happened. It's all part of a grandiose plan. Now, who is the author of that grandiose plan that Mayorkas is using right now as his Bible. Who did that? Obviously, Joe Biden didn't do it. Joe Biden couldn't do it. So who is pulling the strings? In my honest and educated opinion, it's one of two people. Susan Rice. Remember Susan Rice? She worked in multiple different positions during the Obama's eight years. She's one of the Obama's Greatest friends. She works in that mansion the Obamas stayed at, bought, and stayed in Washington, D.C. They have two other homes besides that, but she stays and works there every day. Now, she's not a member of the Biden administration. She's an advisor. She's there supposedly in an advisory uh, job exclusively. And I'm certain that that is purposeful that she not be employed by the federal government because then she would be held accountable by her employer. <laughs> that would be Joe Biden. He doesn't hold anybody accountable, not even himself. Well, there's a lot of other news, big news in, around the world today. Did you hear yesterday what happened? This is really spooky. There has been, by the chairman of An Intelligence Committee, a massive wake-up call that has been sent to every member of Congress, warning about something that is probably the biggest thing that's hung over the American people as a possible negative thing to happen to our country. And he wanted to make sure that every member of Congress knew what was going on. But nobody came out and told us what it is. We're going to weigh into that next. You'll hear from House Speaker Mike Johnson about this very thing, and I probably like you. I want to know what the heck's going on too.
2: Hi, welcome to the subway ad for the three ninety nine six inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set at a retirement home. Weird. I like it.
0: DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT three ninety nine. I called the EMT. Turkey breast three ninety nine. How much?
3: Limited time at participating shops, prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras, plus tax, no additional discounts or coupons applied.
4: We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there?
2: Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra hundred dollars off every $9.99 they spend.
4: It's a tough choice.
2: But they've been in there for six hours.
5: It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu.
4: Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select, as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select, dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply.
0: Partisan spin? Not here. Identity politics? Go somewhere else. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan Newman.
1: So what the heck is going on that is such a nasty national security Bomb that is about to explode. And I'm not saying bomb literally. I'm saying there's something big that we have not been told about, but apparently it's real. So, what could that possibly be? Well, before we go into the deep, deep stuff, here's what I want you to hear from. You want to hear from House Speaker Mike Johnson about it. He came out, was asked late yesterday publicly what's going on. And he's going to read from a statement, but he says, he warns the people, I'm not going to take questions. And this is going to be only a prepared statement. Sounds kind of spooky to me.
6: I I do have a statement, and I'm I'm going to be very precise, and I'm not going to take questions. But last month, I sent a letter to the White House requesting a meeting with the president to discuss a serious national security issue that is classified. In response to that letter, a meeting is now scheduled tomorrow on this matter here at the Capitol with a gang of four and with the President's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan. I will press the administration to take appropriate action, and everybody can uh, be comforted by that. I saw Chairman Turner's statement on the issue, and I, I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. We are going to work together to address this matter as we do all sensitive matters that are classified. And beyond that, uh, I'm not at liberty to disclose classified information and really can't say much more. But we just want to assure everyone, uh, steady hands are at the wheel. We're working on it, and there's no need for alarm.
1: Why did Thank you. There you go. Now, doesn't that make you kind of wonder? There's something big out there. Why won't they tell us what it is? And I know we have this need-to-know-only basis a lot when it comes to government-classified information. But in this particular case, somebody came out. This committee chairman came out and just blew everybody's mind. Hey, there's something massive. It's going to impact not just the United States, but every other country on the planet. We've got to be wary of what's going on. So here's another version of what might be going on.
2: Let's bring in former National Security Council spokesman and former Marine Corps intelligence officer John Elliott. Uh, John, this is a new one for all of us, nuclear weapons in space. So get us up to speed. Uh, How close to your knowledge is Russia to this capability? And if Russia is successful in creating this weapon and launching it, what does that mean for all of us?
7: Well, Carly, what's happening here with the Russian threat is that this is something that actually congress and the intelligence community has known about reportedly for a a matter of months so this is nothing that's really new so what's new here is that the national security advisor jake sullivan came out and said that well what happened was mike turner who's the intel committee chair in the house said that jake sullivan was coming up to brief them and he wanted to have biden declassify all the materials there well that's new because usually these happen behind closed doors and it is rare for the National Security Advisor to actually say to Congress, I'm, I want to come brief you." It's usually the other way around, that Congress asked to be briefed. So this shows that there is new intelligence here, because otherwise they wouldn't be having that briefing. But this capability or this actual goal and future capability for Russia has been known about for several months, so it's a little unclear what the urgency is. If you take a step back, the Russians are way ahead of the rest of the world, way ahead of the U.S. in what's called a hypersonic missile capability, where they can have a a missile going 20,000 miles an hour and, and strike in minutes around the world, and this is something that's going to be a huge capability. So we know that they're on top of their game, and it's something that we should be worrying about. It's a little unclear why the urgency, and frankly, it shouldn't be played out in in public with people from Congress, the members of Congress, weighing in one way or another. This should be all behind the scenes and in classified setting and not out in the public because it really creates a lot of anxiety that is not necessary. Yeah,
2: you know, John, you're right. It is pretty wild how this news was revealed with Congressman Mike Turner on Twitter yesterday posting. It was a vague post, too, uh, talking about a serious national security threat, and now some people are wondering if he is pushing for the House to pass the Ukraine funding because he's been... of the republicans who wants that to get done at the risk of making you guess uh, what do you think this new uh intel would be that would cause him to post a message like that and raise these alarm bells publicly
7: well i'm personally skeptical that there is any huge new intel once again this is a capability that we've known about There also is another capability by the Chinese that is something that they are, they have this called Volt Typhoon, which is a way to insert malware and that's a huge capability that they have now. So you never know what's behind it. But what I would say to your point, Carly, is that that Mike Turner, the chairman, by going out there on Twitter, this is something that he really shouldn't have done. And he may have another motive because he doesn't. not only has the Ukraine funding that he's really worried about, but he also has this FISA reform that he's been pushing for a vote this week on this watered-down bill that he has. And so there's a lot of Republicans in Congress that are saying, hey, he may be crying wolf here Mm -hmm. to make it seem like there's a bigger threat, and therefore we need to... reinstate some of the intelligence capabilities of FISA. Well,
2: this is certainly one to watch. So National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, he's going to be on Capitol Hill today at 3 p.m. briefing those four lawmakers on exactly the scope of what's going on. So we'll see if we get more information on this publicly. You you think that it should be uh, done behind closed doors right now. John, thank you so much for joining us.
1: You know, what's interesting to me is it's impossible to keep a secret in Washington, D.C., there are too many moving parts and too many people that have their thumbs in everything going on there, especially when they're big and important. So why has nobody come out and leaked what this really is? Could it really be a real threat? Could it be something we need to worry about, be concerned with? I don't know. They're telling us we should, but you heard what Mike Johnson said. I assure you that everything's going to be okay. That doesn't sound like the original fire that was thrown in the middle of the American people by Mike Turner, that committee chair, that wrote to every, sent a copy of that report to every member of Congress to let everybody know. It's interesting. I'm going to keep a close watch. In fact, throughout the show, we may see or hear some other news, and I'll be glad to turn you on to it as soon as we get it. Do you remember that speech that Joe Biden made after that special counsel's report came out last week? He addressed many things that were in the letter. Um, he addressed many things that weren't in the letter as well. He denied a lot of things. He forgot a lot of the things that were in the letter that we all had already read. We knew what was in there. But the one thing that really it made him sound... Human. And that's hard to do sometimes with Joe Biden because first you can't understand 90% of what he says when he starts talking like this. I'm not joking. That's what I hear many times when he's speaking, especially giving a speech. But he went into a segment and he just berated the special counsel because the special counsel talked to him about his son Bo and claimed that Joe Biden didn't even remember the day, the date or even the month or year in which Bo Biden died and Joe Biden jumped up on his high horse he cussed the special counsel how dare he bring up my son I know when my son died, and it's none of his blankety-blank business. It's my business. Bo was my son. Well, guess what we found out overnight? Joe Biden raged about special counsel Robert Hurst bringing up Joe's death, or excuse me, Bo's death. But, according to the report itself, The rapidly declining leader, that would be Joe Biden, did not remember, even within several years, when his son, Bo, died. And that was the line that Biden erupted over when addressing members of the press. How in the hell dare he raise this? Well, now it turns out that like his campaign promised to be a uniter, his account about being asked about Bo, who died from brain cancer in 2015, was just one of the many big lies that have served Biden well during his 50 years as a swamp-dwelling Washington, D.C. politician. According to an NBC News report, not conservative in any way, it was the, quote, sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory who brought it up and not her, as Biden claims. Did you get that? what Joe railed about and cussed about and just screamed about her asking him about Bo. Her never asked that question. Now, this is according to two people familiar with Her's five-hour interview with the president over two days in October. It was the president, not her or anyone on his team, who first introduced Bo Biden's death, they said the outlet reported either proving that Biden's memory is as bad as the report says or he's a lying dog-faced pony soldier, (laughs) with the odds on the latter being true. Not only was Joe Biden fibbing, but in her typically tacky style, the first lady used the falsehood to fundraise. She sent out an email to their supporters. I don't know what this special counsel was trying to achieve, she wrote. We should give everyone grace, and I can't imagine someone would try to use our son's death to score political points. If you've experienced a loss like that, you know that you don't measure it in years. You measure it in grief. May 30th is a day forever etched on our hearts. It shattered me. It shattered our family. And that email was signed, Love Jill.'" And included a donate button at the bottom, <laughs> making money off a lie about Joe's former son, Bo. NBC News reported it was a big hit with Dr. Jill's message, raking in more money than any other email the campaign has sent out since the president launched his re-election campaign back in April. Why in the hell are you asking that question? Former Obama Attorney General Eric Holder, another hardened liar, said during an appearance on MSNBC, what does that have to do with the retention of classified documents? Biden raised his son's death after being asked about his workflow at a Virginia rental home from 2016 to 2018, when a ghostwriter was helping him write a memoir about losing Bo to brain cancer that year in 2015. Investigators had a 2017 recording showing that Biden had told the ghostwriter he had found classified stuff in that home, the report says. And again, this is NBC News. Biden began trying to recall that period by talking about what else was happening in his life. And it was at that point in the interview that he appeared confused about when Bo had died. Biden got the date, May 30th, correct, but not the year NBC said. Now these things may seem trivial, but understand this, in the context of which this is happening, and who it's happening to, it's not incidental, and it is a critical thing. It just doubles down on the facts now that Joe is mentally complicated. I can't even think of a nicer word to say, but he is losing his cognitive understanding and realization. Nobody will question that now. And I don't care how many Democrats get up and pontificate about that. It's not going to change. It is what it is. I happened to watch yesterday a string of Biden responses talking to media folks back just three years ago. Today's Joe Biden is nowhere near the Joe Biden from three years ago. And even then, remember, his campaign staff, they kept him off the the stage, campaign stage, running around the nation. They kept him in the basement, and he would give speeches from the basement of his home. That's because they couldn't trust him to go out, and even then, because he always swings from the hills and gets off script whenever he gets going and gets energetic. And that's when he lies the most. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens of examples of him doing that. This is not the same Joe Biden. And I don't care what real clear politics, what their consensus poll shows that Donald Trump is only 1.1% percent ahead of Joe Biden among the American people, that's hogwash. 80% of Democrats want Joe not to run. That's never happened in an incumbent Democrat's life running for re-election. Never one time, 80%. Now, there are some polls that put it back down some, you know, way back down some, 65%. We're not talking about 65% of Republicans. We're talking about Democrats. People aren't stupid. We can look at, read, listen to, and watch for ourselves, and we can determine how we feel about anybody, not just Joe Biden. Facts matter. Facts matter. And we've got to understand. We've got to get a hold of the facts We've got to grab the facts, never let them go. Use them to help us make educated choices and decisions, sometimes on many things that we really don't understand everything about them, but at least we've got a sense from what we're hearing, what we're watching, what we're seeing and reading for ourselves. That's what leadership is about. It's not about getting nasty spreading allegations, demeaning your political opponents, hoping to beat them up by telling a bunch of lies. He doesn't trust the American people, Joe Biden. He doesn't trust any of us. And he calls us MAGA? Speaking the truth,
0: the left doesn't want you to hear.
1: TNN, the Truth News Network.
0: Raid shadow legends. I mean... wow you pick your champions they're glorious and their shields oh they glisten like uh, wet otters but the bad guys they're lovecraftian they're spooky they're um i um, big and then you go to battle and it's like and finally your foe is vanquished and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling Ooh! download raid shadow legends play for free
5: grab an ice cold can of celsius and stay active and energized all day Celsius is better for you energy made with premium ingredients, zero sugar and seven essential vitamins with no high fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you.
1: talking about barack obama let's go back a little bit let's talk about something that we found out yesterday was happening when joe biden was vice president barack obama was president many americans have suspected for a long long time this has been going on and lord knows former president trump has for years been telling anybody who would listen barack Obama's cia spied on trump associates And those associates cooked up the Russian collusion hoax in a political espionage campaign that was designed to cripple the duly elected leader of the United States when he took office. Independent journalists Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, remember them? We saw them as those whistleblowers, the IRS and FBI whistleblowers, and they opened the door to all kinds of political wrongdoing with Evidence proving it was happening. Those two, Taibbi and Schellenberger, exposed the infamous Twitter files. They joined reporter Alex Gutentag for an explosive Substack report. They cited multiple credible sources, and the sources claimed that the United States intelligence community, including the CIA illegally mobilized foreign intelligence agencies to target Trump advisors long before the summer of 2016. Until now, the official story has been that the FBI's investigation began after Australian intelligence officials told U.S. officials that a Trump aide had boasted to an Australian diplomat that Russia had damning material about Democrat presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. The truth is, the U.S. Intelligence Committee asked the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance to surveil Trump's associates and share the intelligence they got with U.S. agencies. Now, this is from a source close to a House Permanent Select Committee intelligence investigation. The Five Eyes Nations, those are the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. So after Public and Racket had been told that President Barack Obama's CIA director, you remember who that was? John Brennan had identified 26 Trump associates for the five eyes to target. And this comes from a a source that confirmed the Intelligence Committee had identified them as people to quote-unquote bump. That means make contact with or manipulate. They were targets of our own intelligence committees and law enforcement, targets for collection and misinformation. Here's what a report says, and I'm quoting, unknown details about the FBI's investigation of the Trump campaign and raw intelligence related to the uh, Intelligence Committee surveillance of the Trump campaign or in a 10-inch binder that Trump ordered to be declassified at the very end of his term. This is according to Public and Racket, which is a news outlet. If the top-secret documents exist proving these charges, they are potentially proof that multiple U.S. intelligence officials broke laws against spying and election interference. The British government communications headquarters, GCHQ, the UK's equivalent of the National Security Agency, according to IEB, Taibi lied when they claimed it first became aware of suspicious interactions between figures connected to Trump and known or suspected Russian agents back in 2015 as a result of, uh-oh, incidental collection. <laughs> yeah, right. Saevi said this. Instead, the U.S. Intelligence Committee asked its foreign allies to target 26 members of Trump's team, possibly to justify the FBI's investigation. They were making contacts, bumping Trump people going back to March of 2016. They were sending people around the U.K., Australia, Italy, the Mossad in Italy. The M-16 was working at an intelligence school they had set up. So according to Jesse Waters, Fox News. One of the bumped was likely former Trump campaign staffer George Papadopoulos, who later pled guilty to lying to federal investigators in the middle of a probe in which he was approached while abroad by operatives who offered dirt on Democrat challenger Hillary Clinton. Foreign spies didn't discover evidence of Trump-Russia collusion and turn it over to the feds, Waters said on primetime, Foreign spies were assigned by Obama's CIA to create a false impression of collusion. That to trigger an FBI counterintelligence investigation. Obama's CIA worked with Hillary's foreign agents in London to hatch the hoax, the Russia hoax, which led to the FBI investigation, the illegal wiretapping, and the General Mike Flynn sting. On formerly Twitter, now X, Papadopoulos noted, he wrote all about it in his bestseller, Deep State Target, how I got caught in the crosshairs of the plot to bring down President Trump. All roads lead to London and Rome, he stated. They always did. Time to get Brennan, Obama, Special Counsel Durham, and former Attorney General Bill Barr in front of Congress, Papadopoulos said in a separate post. All of this is laid out from beginning to end in Papadopoulos' book, Deep State Target. If the journalist's report is proven to be true, all of the above, everybody we just mentioned, are guilty of high treason. High treason, and that's defined in the Constitution. That's high treason, stated one user. What Obama did was worse than all the Russia collusion charges they threw at Trump that none of stuck on. The hoax was a smokescreen. Worse than anything on January sixth. This is another Twitter fumer that is hacked off big time. People must go to jail. So said a third when tweeting, "Obama is the real insurrectionist." the same agency that had 51 intelligence officers swear that Hunter Biden's laptop wasn't real when they knew it was, the lies just keep stacking up. Have you heard anything about this today anywhere else? No. No way. Why is that? Covering up. Taking care of each other. That's what Democrats do. You can say anything you want to say about Democrats and the Democrat Party. Yeah, well, there are a lot of divisions among that party. Probably more divisions among Democrats than there are among Republicans in Congress. But each party handles that kind of differently. Real conservatives, they don't like to compromise, especially when it's about Facts. I get that. I relate to that. I've said this for the five years this show has been on the air. I say it all the time. Facts exist in a vacuum. They cannot be legitimately filtered or messed with. You can't change them. You can try, but you can't change the facts. You may change what people think about it because of things that you say, and they make a choice to believe you instead of the facts that are there. But you can't change facts. Every day it seems like, and we talked about this earlier in the week, every day it seems like some new illegality from the past pops up. And it confirms things that we thought were going on at at that particular time. You remember Trump's four years? You remember Russia, Russia, Russia? You remember the Russiagate thing? He fought it from day one all the way after he left office. He was still fighting the same battle. And though evidence in unquestionable fashion proved all of that was a ploy by those on the left in cahoots with each other Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton Hillary Clinton's campaign Nancy Pelosi every Democrat had their fingerprints all over the Russia collusion story that was made up it was actually a fairy tale it was put together two guys in a bar in Europe And it was almost like they were saying, why don't you add this? (laughs) They'll never believe this. Oh, I bet they will. Let's stick it in there and try it and see what they say. And when it came out, Democrats were told by those at the top, who would that be? Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton. This is factual. This is real. This is what Trump did. He got Vladimir Putin to get him elected as president. Cheating. Breaking laws. We need to kick him to the curb and make sure he never gets off the curb ever again. And I don't care if you don't like Donald Trump on a personal level, I don't. I'm not crazy about his messaging at all. I think he could help himself out tremendously if he would just start talking to people instead of berating people when he's talking to somebody. He doesn't have to do that. We're smart enough. When we hear and see facts, we're going to ferret out the facts and we're going to choose to believe those. That should be good enough. I'm, I'm with you on that one with Donald Trump. But where I struggle is when Democrats, like the very first story we talked about today, Representative Mike Quigley from Illinois, he went on and on and on raving about how great Biden's economy is. When it is truthfully and factually one of the worst economies in U.S. history, all the way back to at least Jimmy Carter, and I think it's worse than it was with Jimmy Carter, and you know why I think that? The left and the administration are purposefully hiding facts that prove that what you and I see every time we go into the grocery store or pull into a gas station to get a fill-up, we're seeing how horrible bidenomics really is and it's far from being splendid as congressman quigley said yesterday on msnbc there are people that actually believe that they look at their own checkbooks they look at their refrigerators the aftermath of going shopping for groceries and they can't buy as much as they did three years ago with the same money that's called inflation Inflation is the worst thing that can happen to the U.S. economy. I don't care who's president at the time. Because American citizens, the ones that pay all these tax dollars into the government, we have to spend more to get the same stuff. And we didn't have the more to spend, so what we've got to do is find ways to pay for it that we normally wouldn't do, like credit cards. The credit card debt in the United States is monumentally, it's not just a little bit more than ever. It's far more than it's ever been. Why is that? People aren't stupid. People understand when you have big credit card bills, they get bigger really quick. You're using them because you don't have money to buy what you need to get, so you use the credit card kind of pushing it back in time until you can figure out another way to pay for it. Because what you're making on your job, what you made three years ago, even with some cost of living increases, isn't enough to pay the same bills. And Quigley's out there crowing about Bidenomics and how great it is. Oh my gosh. Let's move on. NATO, North American Treaty Organization, We're the only non-North American company, country that is part of NATO, and we have to be the number one spenders paying into NATO. NATO is going to announce today. We're told that today they will announce a majority of its members are set to hit their defense spending goals for 2024. Now, that was the big deal. When Donald Trump was elected... One of the first trips he took, I think it was the second or third trip of his administration, he went to Europe and met with the NATO leaders, and he excoriated them. Why is that? Because there's a rule that has been in place in NATO since it was formed. Every member is required to allocate and credibly and the ability to look over and make sure it happens, spend a certain percentage of their GDP on military stuff. A certain percentage. Why is that? Because the structure of NATO says if any foreign nation goes after, attacks or invades or does anything militarily to any member of NATO, they're doing so mandates that every other member of NATO join that NATO member to beat that foe that came after one of the NATO countries. And so NATO itself, comprised of the leaders of all these nations, they voted that to make sure they had what is necessary to help everybody else and yourself if you're attacked, You've got to spend a certain percentage of your GDP making sure you're militarily capable of handling what is going to come up potentially. Biden went over there, not Biden, Trump went over there and met with them and he excoriated them because not another country beside the U.S. was paying, had been paying since the beginning what they were supposed to pay and almost immediately they all began to ante up. Some of them not yet to the full percentage they're supposed to. But when Trump left office, they were far closer to the requirement than ever before, and NATO had a lot of money that it could use in case of an all-out war. Well, when Joe Biden took office, you know what he said, oh, don't worry about that. That was Trump. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And of course, Everybody took their lead from the President of the United States, and they all went back to the way it was before. Well, Trump came out last week, and he excoriated them. He railed against NATO. It's estimated that 18 of the 31 NATO members are now, they promised since Trump came out a week or two ago and blasted them, They announced they will hit their minimum goal of spending 2% of total GDP on their defense budgets for this year, compared roughly to one-third of the alliance who hit that goal last year. And that's according to three alliance officials. Trump warned in a speech on Saturday, last Saturday, that he would tell Russia to do whatever the hell they want to members if they don't pay their share, should he win a second term. And when Donald Trump said that, Democrats in Congress, they just went nuts. Did you hear what Trump's out there saying? He's supporting Putin. They don't want you to know the facts. They want you to hear what they want you to hear and just trust that they're telling you the truth. NATO expects about two-thirds of allies to hit 2% in 2024. Two-thirds, 67%. Had never been there except after Trump went and busted their chops and told them, the United States is not going to bail you out. If you get busted and get in a war, if you're not paying your fair share, we're not going to help you. Trump has long had issues with NATO members and their failure to meet their spending goal, feeling the U.S. was footing too much of the bill, and we always have. The U.S. is the largest financial backer of NATO, EU officials said that NATO members are working to hit their numbers once more, once more. That means they were when Trump was in office, and then they went, oh, don't worry about it. And they're doing this in preparation for a second Trump presidency. NATO members will also try to put importance on issues Trump finds the most pressing, like China and terrorist threats, and win over his good graces. There's a lot of talk about Trump. What's the best way to handle the future President Trump, one senior NATO demo, diplomat said? Basically, a combination of flattery and a firm hand. You can't worry about the rhetoric too much, but instead focus on the points being made and make sure you give credit to Trump if and when he's right. That came from former NATO chief spokesperson Iwana Lungescu. Roughly two-thirds of NATO members missed their defense spending targets last year. NATO was busted until I came along, Trump said. This is Saturday in a rally. He said, everybody's going to pay. They said, well, if we don't pay, are you still going to protect us? I said, absolutely not. And they couldn't believe my answer. One of the presidents of a big country, he stood up and he said, well, sir, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? Trump replied, you didn't pay, you're delinquent. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want to, Trump said. Now, compare that little back and forth to what Barack Obama and Joe Biden did when the king of Syria started executing their own citizens by gassing them. He killed thousands, just gassed them, whole towns, villages. And Obama came out publicly, you can't do that. That's genocide. We cannot allow genocide to happen in any country, especially when its own government is killing innocent men, women, and children you better not do that again, Basra Assad. That's our red line in the sand. Basra Assad said, yeah, all right. That's Barack Obama and Joe Biden. they going to do nothing. And he was right. So he kept on gassing. Barack Obama never did anything. Never when Assad immediately stepped across Obama's red line. Obama didn't do anything. Joe didn't do anything. And it continued. Basra Assad, president of Syria, killing his own people. (sighs) Wow. This just came out It's kind of a follow-up to that veiled threat, a cryptic remark by President Joe Biden. It appeared to some to have some ominous overtones. I don't know if you noticed it. On Tuesday... The Senate moved to pass the $95 billion foreign aid package, having dropped all pretenses that it was a border bill. They sent it to the House, where Speaker Johnson has indicated it has little chance of even getting a vote. And that, of course, makes him a man with a target on his back. Which is what makes Biden's remarks all the more curious. I don't know if you heard this. I heard it when Biden said it. He was wrapping up a news conference attacking Trump and Republicans, and demanding that House lawmakers fall in line. And then he made this one statement in the middle of just going off on MAGA Republicans and the Republican Party, and he said this, may God protect our speaker. May God protect our speaker. Words which were peculiar considering the nature of his spiel. Biden then promised to return to answer questions later on before he shuffled off, leaving some to wonder whether his strange reference to Johnson and the Almighty was just another gaffe from the senile leader or something more menacing. For Republicans in Congress who think they can oppose funding for Ukraine and not be held accountable, history is watching. Failure to support Ukraine will never be forgotten. Biden ran it earlier after showing up an hour late to address the Senate's passage of that bill, which is, at the time, and at this time, still his top priority. While some ex-formerly Twitter users mocked Biden's exit without even taking a question on a matter of such great importance to him and the uniparty establishment, others speculated it was a dark message to Johnson. That's the way I took it. It sounds like a threat. Johnson stands at the cusp of becoming the most hated man in all of DC, as well as in Brussels and Kiev. Then Joe Biden went to X, formerly Twitter, to call Johnson to give the bill a vote without the implied threat. There's no question that if our bipartisan national security bill was put to a vote in the House, it would pass. And the Speaker knows it. This is the President tweeting, I call on him to let the full House speak its mind, not allow a minority of extreme voices to block this bill from ever being voted on. There's no question it would pass, he said. You know, our adversaries have long sought to create cracks in the alliance. The greatest hope of all those who wish America harm is for NATO to fall apart. And you can be sure that they all cheered when they heard Donald Trump, when they heard what he said. Biden said, I know this. I will not walk away. I can't imagine any other president walking away. For as long as I'm president, if Putin attacks a NATO ally, the United States will defend every inch of NATO territory, he vowed. Putting the nation on a path to war with a thermonuclear power, just like Trump said he would do now if that if that statement he made what statement are you talking about we you know what it is joe biden basically prayed for our speaker why would he do that if, it, if that was just a veil threat, it wouldn't be the first time that Biden has sounded like a mob boss. Probably won't be the last time either. We haven't talked about Israel. We've got to talk about Israel. There is a, there is a late update. And we're going to take that up right after this. Sit tight.
3: of mine said he wanted to talk to me about my Volvo. I told him, thank you, that's between me and my gynecologist. He said, no, no, your car, your Volvo 850 Turbo Sports Wagon. I said, oh, that. No, you can't drive it. Oh, I love my Volvo. Sure, it's safe, but gee, just because driving on the freeways of Southern California is the equivalent of playing bumper cars at the speed of light, what kind of reason is that? Volvos are still ultra-luxury imports, sleek and gorgeous and loaded to hear, safe and sexy and, pardon me, I have to go hug my car now.
5: Want safe and sexy? Viva La Volvo. Test drive a Volvo 850 at your Southern California
4: Volvo dealer.
3: Since when is safe sexy, another friend asked. Hey, I said, what decade
4: are you living in? Computer, execute
5: 12.4p operation.
4: Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha Night, night. Oh. I don't feel so good.
5: What? What is it, computer?
4: Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or s- something.
8: A computer with a virus? Surprising.
1: What's not surprising?
0: How much you could save by switching to GEICO.
5: Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake.
0: GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
5: Out for some Lay's and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt and vinegar too. You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend.
0: The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: Facts matter. No doubt about it, they matter. We just got to get on them. It's like a dog getting a real big find in the backyard of a a juicy bone. Somebody forgot there was one out there that still had some meat on it. A dog's going to do everything it can to protect that bone, keep it away from anybody that would take it away. That's where we are in our dealing, in our lives, to keep up with really what's happening with our government. What are those folks really doing? We send them a bunch of money. I mean trillions. Taxpayers send the government trillions of dollars. From that, they're supposed to take care of us. But what we send to them is never enough oh, we can't go down that road, they say. You know, we couldn't do the things that we have to do for the American people. When in fact the truth says over and over again, you could probably cut government spending by 40 to 60% and still be the strongest nation on the planet and every American would be okay. But anyway, facts matter. We don't get them all the time and there are Thousands of people doing what we're doing here at TNN Live every day, making sure our people that participate with us are getting the facts. So yesterday, White House National Security Spokesperson John Kirby, he got on the Israel process and discussion. He insists that Israel is going to great lengths. Now listen to this. He's saying Israel is going to great lengths to minimize civilian casualties in its war on the Hamas terror organization. So this came out in Tuesday's daily press briefing. Kirby, who's a rear admiral, by the way, he responded to a reporter asking the question about the death toll in Gaza. And he gave an answer that seemed to suggest that the U.S. military wouldn't do as much to protect civilians, an answer that he may wish that he could take a mulligan on. Kirby was grilled over the numbers that have served as the basis for the ongoing demands that Joe Biden exert pressure on Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu to do a ceasefire. And in his response to the Hill's Nile Stannage, the newly promoted spokesperson Kirby gave an answer that would draw criticism for seeming to throw the U.S. military under the bus. That's kind of the way I took it when I heard it. I just want to circle back to my colleague. I think it was Nadia asked a few minutes ago about the civilian casualties, this reporter asked, following up on an earlier question from a press colleague. And you said Israel has been receptive to our concerns, and for months we've heard people at that podium talk about the civilian death toll is too high. It was too high at 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, and now around 28,000 people have been killed. What does the White House base the assessment that Israel is receptive to its concerns? Kirby responded, now listen to this, I'm gonna quote him here. As I said, we have seen them take actions, sometimes actions that even I'm not sure our own military would take, in terms of informing civilian populations ahead of the operations where to go and where not to go. They have taken steps. Now, obviously, those steps, while noteworthy, haven't been enough to reduce the civilian casualties, which is why the president spoke so forthrightly about it yesterday, and why we're going to continue to do everything we can to press the Israelis to be more careful, he said. So this... Apparent belief by Kirby that the U.S. military is less concerned about civilian life than the Israelis didn't go over well with many on X, formerly Twitter, and they just went crazy. I'm not going to read any of their tweets. The context is, of course, just as I said. They disagree. Kirby, reportedly a favorite of Biden, was recently bumped up to the position of assistant to the president from Deputy Assistant with his new title being White House National Security Communications Advisor. His boss is Jake Tapper. I threw up a little bit in my mouth when I said the name Jake Tapper, thinking about him having anything to do with anything in government. He is a number one loser, always has been. He's a yes man. He was a yes man in Benghazi for Hillary Clinton that resulted in four Americans being slaughtered needlessly. He's missed on everything foreign policy he's worked on, has Jake. Admiral Kirby's decades of high-level national security experience and his clear strategic insights make him a deeply valued communicator and advisor on this team. Now that came from the advisor to the president, Anita Dunn, in a statement. President Biden is proud to have John leading national security message coordination across the administration as we continue to make a forceful case for our national security interest at home and in the world. Enough on Israel. First of all, let me just say this. Israel's not killing Civilians, unless they are used by Hamas in the throes of war, actual battles, Hamas thinks nothing of grabbing a civilian and putting them up in front of them just to protect their lives. It boils down to this, folks. In a war, every war, people are going to die. Now, I'm not trying to minimize that. It is critically important that we. Always avoid war and go and use war only as the very last option to get accomplished what needs to be accomplished. But when you have people at the top that are there, not because of what they've done in the past, what they're qualified to do today, but just because they've agreed with whoever is doing the hiring for that position at the time, and maybe that comes from personal relationships, maybe it comes from working with a friend in the past, whatever it is. Especially in these high-level, sensitive positions in our government, we should have, every time, the best available, most qualified person in the world holding those positions of leadership why? Because they're the best at whatever they would be hired to do. And we should never have to struggle with that. And this scratch my back, I'll scratch your stuff, quid pro quo, it is the abomination of not just our government, but any government. Only the best of the best should be included in any presidential administration. Now remember another thing. We still have something that's pending out there. This Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, bunch of more money for a bunch of other different things, $95 plus billion plus this bill that the Senate has passed with the help of some rhinos, Republican in name only, fellow senators, and it's still laying out there. Mike Johnson, as you know, heretofore, has said it's dead. We will not even take that bill up in the House. And everybody on the left, at the top of the show, you heard this one guy come on there and say, how dare Mike Johnson try to take the whole House of Representatives, keep them from looking at this bill, debating it, and voting on it. You can't do that. I want to remind everybody, 11 months ago, the U.S. House of Representatives created a bill that took care of every part of bringing our southern border under control. It was very detailed and very specific, and it would have worked. The House passed it. They sent it over to the U.S. Senate. You know where it is today? 11 months ago, they sent it over to Chuck Schumer, the majority leader in the Senate. It's still laying on Chuck's desk. He hadn't even thought about presenting it to the Senate. So what's the difference? Why is it such a big deal when Mike Johnson, he wants to thwart the will of the representatives of the people. He's got to take this bill and put it on the floor to be discussed and voted on. No, he didn't. Chuck Schumer chose arbitrarily, on his own. He was not going to bring that other bill that would have taken care of everything. And you know why they didn't want to do that? Because they want to keep the border open. And H.R. 2, is it 2 or 3? It's either H.R. 2 or H.R. 3. And the numbers come as the number of bills that they have passed in a calendar year. So this was very early on in this particular uh, congressional history for that year, it would have worked. It would have stopped the president and Alejandro Mayorkas. It would have stopped them from continuing to break federal immigration laws every day. It would have stopped the flood, the flow of people coming to the United States illegally, and would have changed and streamlined the legal immigration process so that it would bring people up to be considered much more rapidly than they're even being considered now, and all of that in the context of the United States immigrates legally and brings illegals into the nation that are not illegal when they get here. They apply for immigration and immigration status. They go through the legal process. One million of those each year, every year for decades, go through the process legally, and at the end of that process, they raise their right hand, they follow a judge swearing them in as full U.S. citizens, and they did it the right way. The left doesn't like that because that eliminates tens, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of illegals that would not be eligible to go through the legal immigration process. So why would why would Joe Biden, why would Alejandro Mayorkas Why would members in the House and the Senate, why would they not want the rule of law to be adhered to? Because it doesn't help them fill their political party with people that they will continue. They, these leaders in D.C., in the Democrat Party, they will continue to remind these illegal immigrants if they ever get the right to vote, you're obligated. Democrats are the ones that got you this status. You've got to vote for us in every election. That's the sole purpose. Maybe there are some ancillary reasons like cheap labor for their big campaign contributors to use. In doing so, they give those jobs that are currently held by legal immigrants that came here the right way and even some American native-born people that have those jobs. Kick them to the curb because we need more money. That's what it's all about. Chip Roy. I really like Chip. Congressman from Texas, he torched yesterday this Ukraine funding bill. Listen to him.
3: Republican Congressman Chip Roy at the great state of Texas, member of the budget, rules, and judiciary committees is in focus now. Good to see you. First of all, the, the bill, as I mentioned, had so many more billions of dollars, three times the amount for Ukraine than what originally was supposed to go for border security. Where are we now in terms of it reaching the House?
8: Well, first of all, I think I might submit a bill pretty soon that will rename Texas to Ukraine. Then maybe this administration oh and even, even senators will focus on now securing the border it of the United States. It might take States. that. I mean, look, I've never seen the nursing home known as the United States Senate work harder than when it comes to spending the American people's money for foreign wars. That's what's going on here. And by the way, is there anything more cynical Than having republicans sitting around defending their votes to send 60 billion dollars to ukraine then saying that will help our defense industrial base that that will help american businesses since when do we have economic development that is being driven by by funding war Overseas. That's what's happening in the U.S. Senate. Because anybody that's sane and sees what's happening at our southern border would know that you cannot fund foreign wars while our border is wide open and exposed to criminals and lawlessness and terrorists that are coming across the border. We're still feeling it in Texas, even though thanks to Governor Abbott and those that have been fighting down in Eagle Pass, most of the numbers are now heading to Arizona and California. But this is an ongoing problem. You know, 7,000 crossed the other day. 139 of them were Chinese foreign nationals. That's where the priority of the American people is. That's where my priority priority is. And I think that is where the priority is for Speaker Mike Johnson. He was pretty clear yesterday that this abomination of a bill that came out of the Senate, that those 22 Republicans should not have voted for, uh, that that bill mm. will be dead when it comes to the House.
3: Real quickly. Uh- You know, has there been a push to sit down with President Biden and talk to him about flipping the switch? And I know he doesn't want to hear Trump policies. Maybe you could name them something else, like little candies that work well. I don't know. But but what about that? Because waiting for all of this sausage to be made is leaving that border open longer than it needs to be. And he could take action.
8: Yeah, he could take action right now. Uh, he certainly could limit the flow enormously. Uh, there's no, it's not a quick fix that and the executive can just wave his wand Understood. and take care of it immediately. We, need, we do need to pass laws to give him tools or force him to the table and to give a hopefully future President Trump tools. But the bottom line is they don't have any interest in sitting down at the table. Their ah. interest is the chaos created by wide open borders. It is purposeful. It is being designed to flood the zone, to remake America. It's not just political. They want to remake America. They want to end Western civilization. They want to flood the zone with people from all over the world at a time when we have 50 million people who are foreign-born in the United States. They are doing this for a reason. It is crass. Frankly, my Democratic colleagues are now the colonizers. They're going around trying to force their will and their beliefs on everybody around the world, including, for example, countries in Africa who dare to say that marriage is between one man and one woman. These Democrats are radicals. They want to remake our country, and they're doing it right now at our southern border. Republicans need to lock arms and stand up and defend the border. Instead of just preaching about the border and campaigning on it, they need to stand up and do something about it. And those 22 Republicans who voted for that bad bill, abomination of a bill, should be ashamed of doing this to the American people, perpetuating open borders while funding the border security of Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel.
3: Congressman, uh, the impeachment of the man whose responsibility it was to I- implement the laws on the books with mm-hmm. immigration. Republicans now are set to tee up a second vote, now tonight, aiming to impeach Secretary Alejandro Mayorcas. One week ago, they first voted narrowly, and that failed this time. They'll have an additional vote with House Majority Leader Steve Scalise back from cancer treatments. Thank the good Lord. And former Affairs Committee Chair Mike McCall of Texas was on with me yesterday. Watch. Why can't you fire this man? Why, why didn't the Republicans get it done? Why didn't you?
7: Well, we, we're going to on Tuesday. Steve Scalise is coming back. I'll be a floor manager in the trial. This man is the architect of destruction uh, and he has caused the chaos knowingly
8: uh, not not uh, it really by design, not by accident.
7: Well, it's
3: Tuesday and now it's Tuesday night. Tell me about this evening.
8: Yeah, well, number one, we got to get everybody into town. We've got this storm blowing up to the northeast. We've got to make sure everybody comes into town so that we have the 216 boats that will be needed for us to get that done. Uh, mm-hmm. God bless Steve Scalise. You're exactly right. I, I fought cancer at MD Anderson. That's where Steve is fighting cancer. and oh. We're all praying for him. And I'm glad that he's coming back and he's going to stand up because he knows what we need to do. And it's not just political. This is important. Alejandro Mayorkas needs to be held accountable. He deserves to be the second cabinet secretary impeached because he has been endangering the American people while flagrantly violating his oath to defend the laws of the United States. And you know what? We're going to get those votes. Whether it happens tonight or tomorrow, we're going to get those votes because he needs to be impeached. And you know what? We will see what happens, but I want to give a shout out to my great team. Uh, they're the ones that put forward the first articulation of the reasons to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas in 2021, almost three wow. years ago. We made the case then. We knew it and mere nine months into this administration. And we've been making the case ever since. Well, you've and made I it hope on the impeachment program. managers will do the job. Yes, yep, I have. We you, talked you, about it here.
3: Yep, we have. and And that. That bit that you shared about your health, God bless you, too. I'm I'm glad you're doing well. All right, sir, we will talk to you on the flip side of a nighttime impeachment vote on the Secretary of Homeland Security. Thank you very much. God bless, Harris. You, too.
1: It's interesting when you get somebody like Chip Roy there and they're asked questions, they give straight answers. Instead of immediately defaulting to the talking point of the Democrat Party on any and every issue, one thing we see... They are all in it together. When Democrats respond to anything, whatever it is, anything at all, they're in unison with each other. Now say what you will, there's something to be said for that. Just imagine how much easier it would be for conservative Americans if those who represent us in the political party, the Republican Party, if they would work together to come up with consensus. Now I know To do that, sometimes you've got to compromise. It's like this. There are 435 members of the U.S. House of Representatives, 100 in the Senate. Don't think for a second. Let's just say they were split right down the middle. You have 100 in the Senate. So let's say half of them, 50, are Republicans, and the other half are Democrats. In the House, the same thing. Half of 435, you'd have to split one person in half. But nevertheless, you know where I'm going with this. If everybody that is like-minded, not 100% like-minded, but on the foundational purposes of it all, wouldn't it be smart if we could agree that we're not gonna every time agree with everything with everybody? This time, we may get what we want all of what we want. Next time, it may be all of what they want. Or it could be both times we each get half of what we want. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that's the way it worked? Democrats have got that figured out. Republicans? Eh, not so much.
4: Sorry about that. That
1: break had already been played. I hit the wrong button. You never do that, though, do you? Well, here's the right button.
2: Hi, welcome to the Subway Ad for the three ninety six-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it.
0: DJ sandwich in the house. <laughs> what he say? Italian BMT 3 I call the EMT. Turkey breast. Limited
3: time participating
4: shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras, plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City, where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there?
2: Yeah, they can't decide if they should take no interest for sixty months with no money down, or an extra hundred dollars off every $9.99 they spend.
4: It's a tough choice.
2: But they've been in there for six hours.
5: It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu.
4: Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select, as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select, dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply.
0: Partisan spin? Not here. Identity politics? Go somewhere else. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan Newman.
1: So you know somebody we don't talk much about for obvious reasons? Congressman Eric Swalwell from California. California. Every once in a while, we take a look-see and see what's happening there because, after all, these guys, him and uh, a couple of others in California, they're always seeming to find their way into the media, front page and headlines and interviews. Not because they're special, just because they're probably Democrats and they serve in the California contingency. Well, Swalwell's in the news today. He's running a re-election campaign, as is everybody in office in the U.S. House of Representatives. Every two years, they have to run again. And Swalwell's facing an election in November. He's into the midst of his campaign, and his campaign continues to spend big dollars on things like luxury goods and services, despite the congressman himself being in personal significant debt. And this is all from public records. His campaign spent more than a hundred grand total on yacht services. That's right, yacht y e c h t yatchet <laughs> services on luxury hotel stays, gourmet restaurants, tickets to sporting events like uh, the Super Bowl, and air travel. In just the final three months of 2023, that's according to the Federal Election Commission filing, Swalwell himself had between $30,000 and $100,000 his personal credit card debt, more than 50 grand in student loans at the end of 2022. He takes home a congressional salary of $174,000 a year. Alongside a little under thirty thousand from consulting work that he does on the side, and that comes from his very own financial disclosure report. His campaign spent about ninety grand on travel expenses. Among these travel expenses are three payments to Burj Al Arab Hotel. Guess where? In Dubai. Collectively costing the campaign seventeen hundred dollars. That hotel boasts meals prepared with Michelin-starred chefs, a private beach, luxury suites. Burj arabs website describes the hotel as a global icon of Arabian luxury. Other high-end hotels Swalwell's campaign paid for included the Times Square Edition, Austin Proper Hotel, and the number one hotel, San Francisco. All three hotels brand themselves as luxury lodging. His campaign spent 47000 on air travel. His campaign was well-fed during the final three months of last year, patronizing high-end restaurants. They spent nearly $3,000 at Charlie Palmer's El Presidente Four Seasons Bourbon Steakhouse, Joe's Seafood in Washington, D.C., between October and December of 2023, Swalwell's campaign cut checks to numerous other restaurants during the fourth quarter of 2023. In addition to food and travel, Swalwell's campaign also spent funds on sporting tickets. December 4th, his campaign bought $1,560 worth of tickets at the stadium where the Philadelphia Eagles play. The campaign also paid $5,364 to Fan Experiences, LLC. That's a company that provides accommodations for sporting events like those held by the NFL. Fan Experiences website says that it organizes an average of 5,000 hotel room accommodations annually for the Super Bowl in the city where that event is occurring that year. Swalwell took pictures of himself at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas on Sunday. And published them. His campaign also paid Just Dreaming, a yacht rental service, nearly $17,000, where he held a fundraising event. He's got a history of opulent spending, he does. 2021, his campaign spent its funds at luxury steakhouses, liquor delivery services, bars, limo services, and even a casino, among other things. He's known as a vocal opponent of Donald Trump's, supporting efforts to remove him from the ballot, pushing for expanded gun control. He was famously targeted in the mid-2010s in that Chinese espionage operation involving a woman named Fang Fang. That's her nickname. She was his quote-unquote confidant, and she had full access to his office in California, also She went to Washington, D.C. and worked in Swalwell's offices there. And then the CIA notified the congressman that Fang Fang was probably working for the Chinese Communist Party. And she had full access to everything that Swalwell, as a member of the House of Representatives, got in his possession. I wonder how many others fall into this same kind of category as does Eric Swalwell. Just saying. It's interesting, isn't it? Well, everybody does it. No, everybody doesn't. But my personal opinion is most of them do. They fudge a little bit at least. Where's Nikki Haley been? I mean, she's supposed to be the person that can knock off Donald Trump for the presidential, Republican presidential ticket for November, isn't she? She claimed yesterday that House Republicans were, now this is her term, peacocking, peacocking, when they impeached Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. They did impeach him by a 214 to 213 vote after agreeing to reconsider that resolution. Haley doubled down on her call for Republicans to pass a bipartisan border security bill that House Republicans indicated would be dead on arrival. Now she's talking to CNN host Jake Tapper when she says this quote, It shows the dysfunction of Congress. It shows the fact that they care more about peacocking than they do about getting anything done. But let's first say that the number one priority is to secure the border, period. That's the focus that should be happening. Well, guess what, Nikki? You weren't around, you were somewhere doing what you used to do after you left the governorship of South Carolina after two terms and you left the United Nations after Donald Trump appointed you to be the ambassador for the United States to the United Nations, you were somewhere else because the House of Representatives sent a very detailed program to Joe Biden. The House passed it and they waited for Joe Biden to get the U.S. Senate to take it up and come back to the table and that's negotiate something. But that bill, it totally stopped illegal immigration. And you know how it did? If they would have picked it up, it would have forced Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas and everybody else on the Democrat side to abide by the rule of law and enforce the rule of laws, which regulates every part of the immigration process. Now, I get it. Nikki Haley is running for office but my God, don't we want those that run for office to at least understand what they're saying and what they're demanding and what they're alleging? She basically, she didn't basically, she said, the actions that this House of Representatives is taking shows the dysfunction of Congress. It shows the fact that they care more about peacocking than they do about getting anything done. That's a bald-faced lie. It's about holding those in office above us, like, you know, the White House, holding them accountable according to the rule of law, not making things up that one party or another party wants, but let everybody stand by the laws that are duly passed by the people's representatives in Congress, and at the White House... They negotiate with, but whenever the people's voices, which would be a combination of the House and the Senate and legislation they've jointly approved, when it comes to the desk of the president, sign it into law. But don't go making up your own rules and then just spitting and fuming at anybody that opposes your opinion when that's not, your opinion is not the will of the people. And why wouldn't Jake Tapper, why wouldn't he call her out for that? And we all know the rule of law doesn't matter to the left. Enforcing the rule of law doesn't matter to the left. Never mattered to Barack Obama. Obviously, for eight years, it didn't matter to Joe Biden either. And it doesn't matter to Joe Biden today. He has written and enacted more executive orders. He did that. More than has ever been done before in just his first 90 days as president. Now, what does that mean? He's basically saying, screw the House of Representatives. Same to the U.S. Senate. I'm going to put out what we want to see happen about everything. And if you don't like it, take us to court. And that's what happened on a lot of different cases But you got to remember this. Remember one in particular, Biden arbitrarily, in an effort to buy votes from young Americans, he came out and he said, I'm going to cancel student debt. And lo and behold, he came up with the bill, an executive order, and it was enacted. Nobody went to court to object to it. But then somebody finally did. And guess what happened? It went all the way up to the top, through the federal court system, to the U.S. Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court said, Mr. President, you don't have legal authority to do that. That belongs solely to the U.S. Congress. Well, Joe, he fashions himself to be a great arbiter, a great debater, a master at finding consensus on legislation during his 50 years in the Senate. At least he says he was. He doesn't even try. He just took the first one and tore it up, threw it away, didn't listen to the Supreme Court. He came out a month ago and said, guess what? They stopped me. They told me I couldn't do it, but I'm just ignoring what the Supreme Court says, and we're going to do it anyway. And he put out another bill. You know what that should be called according to the U.S. Constitution? High crimes and misdemeanors, ignoring the rule of law, and ignoring a specific order that came down from the U.S. Supreme Court. He's just going to keep on doing what he wants to do, and he doesn't care about the law. The New York Times recently hosted a focus group of undecided voters, and that focus group showed just how badly Joe Biden is perceived among moderate voters. Remember, those are the targets. He said, I'm a moderate. A panel of 13 undecided independent voters, various ages from 22 to 64. They confirmed the most important issue for voters today is still the economy, including inflation and the U.S. cost of living. Only one voter feels positive about the direction of the economy compared to a year ago, and that person's justification centered on a cooled housing market. When the voters were presented with a list of five issues the economy, the border crisis, abortion, protecting democracy, and the war between Israel and Hamas and then asked which single issue most influences how they will vote this November. All but one of the groups said, the economy. People want to stop seeing the debt ceiling climb and climb. We're at $34 trillion. We want to be responsible with our fiscal spending. We want to see a net positive trajectory of how we're tackling our debt. We're spending money. We're sending money to Ukraine, Israel, what have you. But what about the things here? That came from a guy named Kenneth from Texas. Shouldn't our focus... Be on our country first right now? That's the direction we should be taking. We're giving enough to all the other countries to help them. We're going down fast and we're going down hard. That was explained by Robin from New Hampshire. This finding should alarm Biden's campaign because poll after poll after poll has found that voters trust Donald Trump, not Biden, to handle the economy. All the way back to James Carville, In the second run for president, by Bill, Bill Clinton, Carville, when he was confronted about all the stuff that was around, remember, Bill Clinton was in the process of being impeached, he said, ignore all that, he said it on the air over and over again, he said, there's only one thing that matters in a presidential election, it's the economy, stupid. It still is. Even worse, when these voters were asked to describe Joe, they used words and phrases like a little bit senile, puppet, disingenuous, and unfit for the presidency. This is the New York Times doing this. So you know if they leaned one way or the other, they were leaning to the left when they tagged these people to bring them in and ask these questions and to get answers. Has he done anything? Because I haven't seen it. That's what Robin said. I think his presidency has been very weak and divisive. That's from Hal from Florida. Yeah, nothing economy-wise. That's Kim from North Carolina. Interestingly, the entire focus group agreed they don't want to hear more from Biden about abortion, the issue Democrats believe wins them elections. In the eyes of the voters, these voters anyway, the issue is solved, and only a diversion. Now, to be fair, the voters didn't exactly praise Trump either, though they celebrated his ambition, his boldness, his economic policy, and his ability to drive important conversations. The most telling finding of this focus group came last— When asked by the moderator who they would vote for if the election were held today, 11 said Trump, and only two said Biden. Biden, said Megan from Wisconsin, has been a disaster. He's not inspiring, added Henry from Georgia, and he is controlled, said Lorraine, from Pennsylvania. That's the New York Times last week, current. So how do these polls that come out, how do they realistically show that Donald Trump is ahead about 1%? It doesn't sound to me like we're getting the facts. (laughs) And especially when the New York Times, who whenever they lean... We know they're going to lean the other way, away from conservatives, away from GOP members and policies, and directly in the face of Democrats in the far left. That's food for thought for your weekend. Listen, guys, you need to be, even though we're in the wintertime, and many of you are in the cold, cold, dark places in the United States and other parts of the world that are listening in, Make every weekend count. I'm 70 now. I look at weekends. I look at free time. I look at what I do with my free time. I look at it in a different light than I did formerly for so many years. Don't waste any of it. Use it all. Relish every second you're awake. And especially relish every second you're able to go to sleep. Good things happen to good people most of the time. But don't let circumstances control the way you feel about your life. Don't do it. Yeah, sometimes bad things do happen to good people. That's part of life. If you hold your head up and you refuse to be overtaken by anger or hatred or any negative thinking, if you refuse to adopt that, at the end of it all, you're going to be okay. We all are. And I want to thank you for being part of the family at Truth News Network, TNN Live. You're you're never taken for granted here. You guys, we got another day left. We got a Friday ahead of us. We're going to get together tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock and do this again. I will see you tomorrow morning. Have a great day.
9: Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? You've been out riding fences for so long now. Oh, you're hard warm. I know that you got your reasons. These things are not pleasing You can't hurt you somehow Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy She'll beat you if she's able You know the queen of hearts Is always your best best Now it seems to me some fine thing have been laid upon your table, but you only want the ones that you can't get. Desperado, oh, you ain't getting no younger. You're Talking. Your prison is walking through this world all alone Don't your feet get cold in the wintertime time? sky won't snow and the sun won't shine It's hard to tell the nighttime from the day senses Come down from your fences Open the gate It may be raining But there's a rainbow above you You better let somebody love you You better let somebody love you For it's too late